This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the podcast episode, my angels. I'm so excited about today's podcast episode. It's with a fellow coach, Chloe, who is an absolute legend. This conversation was so powerful. And you know when you meet someone and you just align with them, like your energy aligns, your values align, it was like that. So I want to get her on for a round two. Um, But before we do get into today's podcast episode, I just want to remind you of the Gymshark giveaway. So if you leave a rating, a review of the podcast, screenshot that to me and you'll go into the running to win a $100 Gymshark voucher. So I'm now giving away October's, so our very first Gymshark voucher, and it is going to uh, Sarah Thornburg. Sarah with two R's. Your Instagram ha- handle is Sarah with two R's, Elizabeth underscore 18. If that is you, if you are listening to this podcast episode, please send me a DM and I will get that voucher over to you. To be in the running for November, make sure to leave a review, a rating, screenshot it, put it onto your stories, even better, honestly. I appreciate that all so much. I mean, I just want to say I appreciate all of your support anyway. It means the absolute world to me and uh, it just reinforces that I need to continue doing what I'm doing because it's helping you, which is honestly my heart. All right, that is enough from me. Oh, before I do go, I will be answering a listener question at the end of this podcast interview. So hang around to hear the answer to that. All right, guys, let's get stuck into this week's interview. Hello and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. On today's podcast episode, I have Chloe with me. Chloe is a fellow online coach with Lionstone Physiques and she's going to be sharing her story, which I'm very excited about. But welcome, Chloe. (laughs) Hi, thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. So I'm going to give um, the listeners a bit of context as to like how I kind of know you. So years and years ago, I um, discovered a guy called Jack Boom. Is his last name? Oh, Boone. B double O N, yeah, isn't it? I always think boom, and then I overthink it, and I think is it Boone or Boone? <laughs> <laughs> Jack Boone, who's an who's actually an incredible coach, and uh, he had a podcast, and you were featured on his podcast. Uh, you were a client of his, and you talked about your story with an eating disorder um, and over exercise, and how he really helped you transform your life, and it was like. So inspirational. And um, and then we connected kind of through somebody else just recently. And I had no idea that you knew this person and then, you know, put two and two together. And we ended up meeting in person, which is really cool. Um, and so I wanted you to come on the podcast to share your story because it's like super duper powerful. And I think so many girls have maybe are currently or have in the past been in the situation that you found yourself in, you know quite a few years ago. Um, so let's get stuck into it. Maybe first of all, I'll get listeners to know a little bit about you. So who are you? What do you do? Where do you live? All that sort of stuff. <laughs> What's my address? Well, my name is Chloe. Um, I am an online coach like yourself. Um, and I have been in the fitness industry from a very young age. Um, as you said, for me at first, developed with um 
an insecurity and obviously we'll kind of go into that. Um, but now I am, yeah, a coach. So I went from being coached um, to becoming a coach. And yeah, it's definitely been quite a journey. That's awesome. I actually kind of think they're the best coaches, to be completely honest with you. Um, really similar. My story is really similar as well. I was coached and then I had such a transformation that I felt like this cooling, like I've got to do this for other people. And um, I think it's so valuable as a coach to be able to empathize and to be able to connect with people. Without that, it's going to be really difficult to see people succeed because as you would know, as a coach, a lot of stuff comes down to mindset and being able to understand where somebody's at is then going to then enable you to be able to encourage them and steer them in the right direction. And for them to be able to actually question maybe the beliefs that they have in their mind. Um, But let's, let's go back a little bit. Um, When I guess for you, so you became quite aware, I'm assuming at some point of your body and maybe not feeling enough or feeling like you needed to change your body. When did those thoughts kind of start first start for you? Um, I would probably say about like 15, 16, um, when Instagram was becoming popular. Like now, obviously, you know, I see people as young as like 10, 11 um, with Instagram. Back then, it was probably like 15, 16 for me. Um, and, you know, Fitspo was out. Um, everyone wanted to look like, um, you know, the latest Fitspo person. There was lots of like circuit workouts and things like that. And I, um, that's when I became really aware of my body and I guess it not looking exactly like the models that I see on Instagram. Yeah. And feeling that pressure, just feeling like you didn't measure up. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, self-comparison was something I did all the time. And as we know, that's the thief of all joy. So I was definitely not happy within myself and just happy in my day to day. And I also was, you know, I guess being part of high school is you're surrounded by that anyway. Like girls are constantly like putting themselves down or wanting, you know, on the latest diet. And when you already have um, a tendency to be more obsessive or have like an eating disorder, it kind of just, um, I guess, was the catalyst and then it snowballed from there. It's so interesting that you said like you've got a tendency to get obsessed with things because I think there's two types of people. And I think for a lot of young girls growing up in high school, they will have insecurities about their body and maybe they will go down the path of trying fad diets and like, you know, using unhealthy Um, ways to maybe change their body however not everyone gets an eating disorder and so it can start off innocently but as we know with an eating disorder it's much more intense and it is this obsession so I guess like you know you're in that mindset you want to change things you feel like you don't match up which is you know such a common experience for most women and even women that are older as well I think for all of us we have to catch ourselves with those thoughts but I guess for you, when did it turn into something a little bit more sinister? And would you say like kind of disordered eating and then a full-blown eating disorder? Yeah. So I I think for me, it felt gradual, but it was also so fast, if that makes sense. So I think, as you said, there, some people are obsessive with things and other people don't take it to extremes. With me, I've always been an extremist. I'm very all or nothing. So, you know, what started off as me just choosing healthier foods from the canteen, not getting lollies, um, you know, just completely having only good 
quote unquote foods um, turned into me having less and less of that, um, which turned into me pretty much eating like nothing. Um, and for me, I, I don't know, like, again, there's not too much education around this, but there's um, different types of eating disorders. For me, I would say it was a mixture of anorexia, which is kind of just essentially under eating and restricting your food, um, and orthorexia, which is, again, um, an eating disorder categorized by of being obsessive with only healthy foods. So it was kind of a catch-22 because society tells you you should only be eating healthy foods. So it was almost like positive reinforcement. I'm like, no, no, this is like what I should be doing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, probably about 17 was when it really got bad for me. I was pretty much almost like sent to like those hospitals where they kind of um, rehab you essentially. Um, which was very, very confronting. Like it literally looks like a hospital. You have your room that you stay in. They let you go outside. It's it's almost prison-like. Um, and that's not to say that they don't serve their purposes. Obviously, I'm sure they've saved many lives. Um, but for me, seeing that was just like it brought me to tears. I was like, I can't go here. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was kind of like it probably took a couple – a year to get really bad, um, I would say for myself. And I think like with an eating disorder, it sneaks up so quickly. So it starts off innocently. And then before you know it, you feel like you're lost in this yes. world you've created for yourself. And it's almost like, oh my goodness, I've gotten myself in so far and you're so sucked into that world. It's kind of like, yeah. how on earth can I ever pull myself out? Um, really interesting that you mentioned about the hospital because, you know, I guess that that plays its part but I'm assuming for you that was almost your wake-up call where you had to decide whether you were going to have to give someone else the power to like almost like force feed you or um, change your toxic behavior or you needed to make a change yourself and somewhat be in control so I'm assuming you took that option so what did that look yeah. like? So you have that option there, then then what? Like, Because it's not just as easy as going, oh, okay, you know, I'm just going to start eating more and like eating whatever I want and not having these yeah. few foods. Like, yeah, what did that look like? Well, I think, as you said, it's not easy, especially when in the beginning people are saying like, oh, you've lost weight, you look good, like without realising that. And that's something why I, I never say that to my clients, like you look good because you've lost weight because um, it's really important the way you word things. But um, basically I found that I, once I saw that, I was like, okay, well, I don't have a choice. Like the psychiatrist in there basically said I was a lost cause unless I went there. Um, and again, me being... I guess a strong, not a strong personality, but liking to prove people wrong. I was like, essentially stuff you, I will show you that. Um, so I kind of did things probably the more unconventional way. So I didn't see psychologists based on eating disorders or um, things like that. I found I didn't mesh well with those type of people. Um, so I, I went to see a nutritionist who was like a young, beautiful human. She was really, she worked with people who had eating disorders, but she really understood the way I wanted to do it because I still wanted to have a health focus. I, I think a lot of the time um, people's solution in these like institutes or um, I guess the healthcare professionals think, okay, well, we've got to get this person eating like ice cream and all these like hypercaloric foods, which there's nothing wrong with. Like, don't get me wrong. I still eat those things, but 
as someone who is so afraid of food, you need to slowly introduce them, not just push them in the deep end because it's just not um, manageable Mm. or achievable. Um, And it's like, I mean, I say the same to my clients. It's like pick the lowest hanging fruit. You don't need to go from zero to 100 overnight. And that was very much what um, recovery looked like for me. It started with having like these um, meal replacement shakes that were like healthy in the health food section, um, which was what I was comfortable with. Um, And then building that up slowly, slowly and, you know, going to the nutritionist. Um, She would weigh me. I wouldn't see my weight. Um, Not that I was too obsessive with it, but she you know, wouldn't tell me. She'd only tell me how much muscle I've put on, not overall body weight, because she wanted me to focus on that, not body fat as well. That's something that was a word that really triggered me. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a very gradual journey. And I wouldn't say that there wasn't any relapses. I mean, I went from thinking I recovered to going back down into another eating disorder years later, um and I think it's just like anything in life you have to if you don't learn your lesson the first time you go through the same the same lesson and that's really um the last time I went through that which was maybe like four five years ago I really learned my lesson I was like this this isn't worth whatever beauty standard I'm trying to achieve yeah absolutely yeah and some of us have to learn the hard way uh, it's so funny you say that because I'm really similar too. You can be told to do something or something's, you know, best for you, but really until you implement that and figure that out for yourself, then it doesn't really click. And sometimes that means getting hurt and making the and making wrong decisions. And you think, yeah, you could have saved yourself from that. But I guess for you now, that belief now is so cemented in your brain that you never want to go back to that, and it's just so not worth it because you've gone through that yourself. It is really hard. And I think like with anything in life, if we're wanting to achieve a goal and even if it's to to recover and to get better, like progress isn't linear and there are times and we are going to doubt ourselves. And I think what's also important for people to understand in particular girls is like you are still, and I mean, it's very different to having an eating disorder, but being in the world that we live in now, it is so easy to compare yourself and to not feel like you match up because a lot of the messaging that is sent out is that for females, our value is based on our exterior. And then what what if you don't have that? What if you don't match up to whatever society is putting up there as that standard? And it's frustrating because, you know, we've had this movement in the past couple of years where it's been like the big booty, it's been girls that are more curvy, which is really cool because, it's been more inclusive of women. It hasn't been this stick thin look. However, now we have like this resurgence of the nineties coming in and everyone's like, you know, the Kardashians are losing weight and there's just such a focus now on stick skinny. And if all you do is you're trying to meet these expectations, you're going to end up disappointed and you're actually never going to fit into either one of those. And it's really about being okay with what you got with your genetics and making the most of that and I'm sure that's a massive lesson that you've learned and a lesson that you try to instill into your clients as well so let's talk about weight gain because weight gain is uncomfortable and a lot of women fear weight gain for you in your journey what has been helpful and I guess like what roadblocks did you have to kind of overcome throughout your journey I would say probably the first thing that was helpful for me was having a coach. Um, I honestly don't think that without that I would have been able to do it on my own because 
as I said, like obsessive personality, I would have just kept adding more sets. I would have kept having less food. It was just a tent. It's like any habit. If you, you need to break it and you need to break it in a way that is an easier way. So for a lot of people, it's like changing their environment or having like a massive shift. And for me, it was like letting someone else take the reign. Um, so Jack being my coach kind of managed my nutrition and my training and, you know, taught me that less is actually more. He taught me about how rest actually builds muscle. Um, and as you said, like body types have changed over time before it was like that, you know, thick, slim, thick look. Now it's like gone back to being slim. Um, BBLs are in, like there are so many different standards and you've just got to like really stick with not just what you have, but it's okay to enhance that, but all you should compare yourself to is who you were before, who you were yesterday, Mm. Uh, not someone on the front cover of a magazine or on Instagram. Yeah, Um, because no matter how much you do that, you'll just never, you'll never be them. Like it's impossible. No, no. And they don't even look like them. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't look exactly like what I look like on my Instagram. And I say it to my clients all the time, like, we're trying to put our best photos out there. We're, yeah. we're posing where, you know, like <laughs> they're always going to be, we don't show our bad angles. I mean, some influence do, influencers do, and I freaking applaud that. I think that is awesome. But, you know, majority of people don't. So it's really important for you not to compare yourself to the highlights of um, someone's life. Yeah, I absolutely couldn't um, reinforce that more. I'm just going to quickly touch on something that you said with Jack. He was like, really giving you um, guidance with nutrition, but also teaching you to reduce the amount of exercise, not having to do so much volume. When I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, I remember going through that. And let's just touch on how uncomfortable that is because it all sounds good and well now with the knowledge that we have. But back then for me, I'm just thinking about myself, it was the most uncomfortable thing and anxiety inducing. Yeah, 100%. I so agree. If someone tells you to eat more and do less, your natural instinct is like, I'm going to get overweight, right? Yeah. Um, which is not at all. And so, like, that is why less is more sometimes. And it's something I preach with my clients like all the time. Uh, but yeah, no, super uncomfortable. Like, I was like, okay, I can't do any cardio, like a bit of walking here and there, but nothing compared to the hours I did. Um, I can't spend like two, three hours at the gym, 45 minute sessions. Um, And I learned what I found was like a really good focus for me. And what Jack taught me was you can train hard and you'll feel just as satisfied, even if you haven't trained for hours. And I learned to enjoy that so much more. Um, And because I was training hard, like naturally you get hungry, naturally you want to eat more. And it was just, it was such a healthy way for me to still get that, um, don't know how to explain like the release yes yeah yeah sorry you go <laughs> oh, no, no, no. that that was it <laughs> well it's so funny you say that because it's almost like this dopamine release that we get when we exercise and when we're so used to over exercising we are so used to being on that dopamine high all the time and half the reason it is so uncomfortable to reduce the exercise that you're doing is because you're actually reducing the amount of dopamine your body's releasing and what that will do is actually make you feel terrible it will make you feel anxious you will feel uncomfortable that's actually normal so you got to expect that but that does not mean that you need to be reverting back to those Uh, behaviors and that is just such a wonderful point where um jack really got you to focus on quality rather than quantity 
And yeah. quality with our training is actually going to elicit such better results than if we are just trying to add in volume. And by volume, I mean lots of sets, lots of reps, lots yeah. of exercise, because it then becomes actually counterproductive to the body to be able to recover, to be able to then build that muscle for you to improve, look toned, all of that stuff that you actually want, um, instead of actually fo- focusing on the quality and then putting all of your effort into that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you're so right. And it is uncomfortable. Like, I mean, even it's not even just the workout itself. It's like, oh, instead of training seven days a week, it's like four or five. And that was super uncomfortable because you get it to your rest days and you don't have that dopamine, mm-hmm. um, you know, rush. And it's it's definitely just about sitting in the discomfort. You know, ang- I say it all the time to my clients, but anxiety does not mean something bad is going to happen. And it's just being able to sit in that um and just, you know, trust someone. And for me, I, I trusted Jack. Mm. And had, and you would have had doubts. Actually, I want to touch on that along the way. Um, I'm just thinking about the girls that we work with and there are so many that will have moments where they completely freak out. Like, what am I doing? This is not going to work for me. Yeah. And that's totally understandable. Um, and our coaches have been through really similar situations as well so they can empathise in that capacity. But I'd love to hear, like, for you – what was helpful because sitting with that un- that feeling of un- being uncomfortable and actually allowing yourself to sit with your anxiety is so hard because ultimately yeah. what we want to do is escape it and run. <laughs> we just want yeah. to not have to feel that. But in order to get wherever we want to go in life, become a better person, achieve what we want to, we've got to learn to sit in the uncomfortable so like what how did you do that? Like how did you did you just do it or was there something that helped? I think it's hard to remember what I specifically did back then, but I can definitely touch on what I do now even when I have that instinct to you know, I I have a day when I'm feeling so anxious and my natural instinct is like go to the gym even if it's my rest day. And something that I found can really help and something someone suggested to me was to actually find a hobby and for me, my hobby was always the gym. I was like, well, I don't, that is my hobby, but find a hobby that doesn't have to be that. So it could be listening to music. It could be adult coloring books. It could just be getting your work done or, you know, if you're studying, whatever it is, but something that is going to be positive for you, still a form of growth. So meditation, journaling, that's, that's all growth, but it doesn't have to involve the gym. So that way you feel like you're doing something productive that day. Um, you don't feel like, oh, on my off days from gym, I'm just like a couch potato that has nothing going on. Um, that's that's what really would help for me. Or, or seeing a friend, just anything. Yeah, it's reconnecting with other things that interest you because when you're in that mindset, like exercise just becomes everything or like dieting just becomes everything and it becomes your um, your go-to way to deal with anything in life and deal with whatever feels uncomfortable. But like too much of a good thing is bad, like anything yep. in any capacity. And, you know, for us, we're talking here about exercise, but it can be anything. It can be people yeah. in relate. It can be jumping from relationship to relationship because you get that, that spike of dopamine and it feels really yeah. good. It could be alcohol. Like it's, there's so many different things that people use. And although all of these things are, are good in moderation, when we start to solely rely on that, that's when we get into a lot of trouble and reconnecting yes. with yourself, figuring out like 
have I have I really let my relationship slip because I've been so focused on this thing over here and so reliant yeah. on it and actually looking at health holistically because we do we do need to have hobbies we need to have other interests we need to really nurture our relationships because our social life is actually really important to our overall health all of these things are so incredibly important, but when we get into this space where all we think about is like gym and that's anything we can use to deal with our anxiety, we get into a real um, problem. I love that. That is, that's so good. I guess like for you now that you've learned this and you're in this position, when working with girls, which I'm sure you have come across that have been where you were and are kind of having to relearn what exercise should look like, what nutrition should look like in order for them to achieve whatever it is they're wanting to achieve. You know, what do you use as a coach to be able to guide them? And I'm sure that you learned a lot from Jack, you know, going through that process, but is there anything specific that you kind of guide your girls through, your clients through um, that really helps them overcome that? Well, now, so I work for Linestone um, and that was something that, so Reese, who was the founder of Linestone, I, I spoke to him when I first became a coach under him and I was like, obviously I'm going to be working with girls with eating disorders. Um, we have a meal plan that we usually give them the first two weeks. Then they then learn how to track, but on that meal plan, they can see their calories and macros. Um, and, you know, I, that was something I brought up to Reese, and he's like, yep, 100%. So what we do with girls that struggle with calories or obsess over that is we blank it all out. All they can see is what they're eating. They don't need to worry about the numbers, how many calories they're having or whatnot. And that's that's one thing that I do for girls that do hyper-focus on that. And two is not weighing themselves. Mm. Weight is not always the answer. And like 99.9% of the time, like it fluctuates. I'm three kilos heavier on my period. doesn't mean I've gained three kilos of body fat. So um, those are the two main things that I get my girls to do. Um, another thing that I get them to do is unfollow any account or at least mute any account that makes them feel not good about themselves. Even if it's, I'm like, even if it's my account, like, cause obviously I'm posting client results, do that. It doesn't matter. Something mm-hmm. that is like making you feel shit every single day is not going to help. Um, so that's one thing. And the last one would be journaling. So, um, and not just like journaling about the bad side of things. Like I get them to um, have a gratitude journal where they write five things they're grateful for each day, because a lot of the time, like as humans, we focus on the negatives. Um, and I know it even for myself, like one bad thing happens that day. And it's like, that was the shittest day. When in reality, there were so many good things happening that day, we just choose to hyper-focus on the one bad. So by having a gratitude journal, I really feel like it helps you consolidate at the end of the day and be like, okay, cool. It wasn't actually that bad. Like I overall had a pretty good day. Um, And positive reinforcement, like I really stand by that. I don't think negative reinforcement ever really works and it's shown time and time again in psychology. Um, Same with children, like so much research is being put out that, they respond way better to positive reinforcement. And I think we should treat ourselves with the same kindness. Mm, absolutely. A lot of that's all mindset that you just you just mentioned. Um, and the hard thing is, I think, is when we've spent years with negative thoughts being just circulating in our mind, we've just reinforced these myths sometimes about ourselves that we're not good enough or like even going back to the scale weight thing that's massive and with our girls as well I'm like stop weighing yourself just don't if it's <laughs> triggering for you even if you get yeah. even if you feel good when you see that number 
decrease. I almost think that that's also a red flag that you shouldn't be using it because you're viewing that thing as your sole, um, I guess, indication of what progress you're making, which is, it's honestly, it's hardly ever that, right? It's just another tool that we use, but it doesn't mean, like you said, when your weight fluctuates that you've actually gained fat or even when it drops that you've lost body fat. So getting away from that, but what that requires is a lot of discipline and a lot of mental discipline because you are just going to want to go back to your default thoughts, which are, I'm not good enough. Like I've put on weight, I'm fat. I should be exercising more. I should be eating less. That's what you've believed for years and years and years. It's going to take discipline to learn, to rewire your brain, to think opposite to that. And so you need to create an, an environment for yourself that's going to nurture and foster that. And that really includes being disciplined about who you follow on social media. Yeah. You know, maybe counting calories for you and macros is just a no-go because you know it's triggering. Being aware of that and setting yourself up for success rather than trying to have almost like your foot in, like one foot in, one yeah. foot out, trying to hold on to this old belief. And then also knowing you want to change, you kind of got to jump in. Yes. It's a leap of faith. As you said, like I wasn't like, I would love to say I fully trusted Jack and I was like, yep, this is going to go perfect. But that wasn't the reality. It was, I literally just had to say, well, can it get any worse than this anyway? I feel horrible. So I'm just going to trust someone, even though it scares me shitless. Like, um, so I agree. Definitely. You just got to have to, you got to try because obviously what you were doing before wasn't working. So what's the worst thing that can happen? Something has to change. All right. To finish off, I just want to touch on like how much better your life is now because I think that's a very important part. We talk about how difficult it is through the mess of it, which it is. It's really hard. But the cool thing is, is that it is just so incredibly worth it because when you get onto the other side, there is so much freedom and you just realize like your life is just so much better without this negativity and this obsession with food and exercise. So like how much have you changed and what's life like now? I couldn't even explain to you like it makes me emotional when I I think of all the things I missed out on um you know I've I mean I recently went to Sydney to see family I haven't seen in years um and part of the reason obviously there was COVID but before that part of the reason was I had such a bad eating disorder that it scared me so much to be out of my environment um and I missed out on so much I missed out on seeing um you know kids grow up my my grandparents um I missed out on going on dinner with friends and just like traveling and living life, being a normal person in their twenties and obviously teenager back then. Um, so I, I honestly, life is, I couldn't even compare. I mean, like eating disorders really consume your every day. So it wasn't like, Oh, just around dinner time. It stressed me like every single second of the day. That was all I cared about. So you know, you miss out on everything. And I, my life is 10 times better. I mean, I can, no matter if I've gained a bit of weight, not following my macros, um, being lazy, it doesn't matter where my body's at. I just am in a good place. And I, I know I'm more than just a body. So what I hear is, I hear that you are just back in control of your own life. Yeah. And there's so much freedom in that. Yeah. It's, it's no one can really, I think I'm so grateful for what I went through. I would never like change it for the world but I definitely think that like to anyone that's ever or is struggling with that it's like there is light on the end of the at the end of the tunnel and it is so worth all the pain that you have to go through to get there yeah you are one very special girl Chloe likewise you too (laughs) thank you stop it (laughs) 
Um, and I know like this is going to really resonate with a lot of girls and I know it already has because you share your story and as a coach, you're making such a huge impact. So you're right. You know, no hurt can go unused, I suppose. We can always use our hard times to then pass on that knowledge and those lessons to other people so that they can hopefully, fingers crossed, not go through what you went through. Thank you so much for your time. Where can we find you, Chloe? Um, so on Instagram, I'm just Chloe Avanesian or um, on at Linestone, which is um, the coaching company I work for. So there's my two main on Instagram. Did I say that? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I'll pop those yeah. in the show notes as well. All right, before I finish off the podcast, I'm going to be answering a listener question. This one has come in from Rachel. Rachel asks, how many calories should we cut after a reverse diet if entering into a cut? That's a really great question. So you've done your reverse diet. This is what I want you to understand is that a reverse diet should take you from a calorie deficit up to your maintenance calories. That's really important that you stay there for a good period of time. So I'm not going to answer this because after your reverse diet, you shouldn't be going back into a cut. So let's just say you've been eating at your maintenance calories for six months. How do you then know how many calories to take out of your diet in order to effectively lose body fat? Well, that's going to depend on a few things. First of all, how much fat you have to lose. I would say if you're looking at losing more than, you know, 10 kilos of fat, you're probably going to need to take an approach, which is going to be a little bit more slow, really, right? So we've got more fat to lose, which means it's going to take a little bit longer. The reason I'm saying that is because you do also have the option of doing something called a mini cut. Now, a mini cut is where we aggressively cut your calories. So we take off a whole load of calories in order for you to lose weight quickly. And then for you to get yourself out of that calorie deficit and back up to your maintenance calories. Now, this is an approach that works. However, it's more of an experienced approach. So if you have a history of an unhealthy relationship with food or um, you just don't have your calories that high to begin with, I would not be doing this. So really what I would suggest doing is if you want to, so if you've got more fat to lose, oh, and just on that, mini cuts are really reserved for just losing a little bit of fat. So if you've only got like a couple of kilos or a few pounds that you want to lose, then it can be really effective for that. But really, if you've got more fat to lose, it's not going to work for you. So I would always say dropping to anywhere between three to 500 calories is a really good starting place. Make sure you monitor your progress over three weeks before dropping them further, because it can take a bit of time for the body to kind of understand that it's in a calorie deficit and for it to respond. From there, if you start to plateau, when you do plateau, start to slowly decrease because you will at some point plateau, but you want to ensure that you are losing weight, eating the most amount of food when you first begin your cut. Hope that was helpful, guys. I will be back in your ears next week. Big love, Coach Tash.